0: financial mistakes by age wouldn't it be nice if somebody had 30 plus years of experience and could share with you all the pitfalls all the the traps to avoid we got your resource right here it's Brian Preston the money guy
1: restoring order to your financial chaos retirement investing taxes you've got financial questions he's got financial answers it's
0: Brian Preston the money guy Bo. Wisdom comes from experience. Okay, I can believe that. I mean, I, I, I wrote that down, and and I got to say, because human nature is we remember the negative stuff a lot better when we sure. remember the, the positive stuff, mm-hmm. is that usually that wisdom comes from a lot of mistakes.
1: Yeah, it seems like the things I learned the most from are the things I've screwed up in the past, and I don't think I'm alone in that. I've learned a lot from your screw ups too, though. I think if that's valuable. That's what. And we're going to, we're going to move
0: pretty quickly today because we've got, we're going to be doing, just as the title implied, financial mistakes by decade. So your 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s, and even 60s. So that's a lot of ground to cover. So we've got to kind of crank, but I'm going to try to make sure that we still save enough time to share some of those life lessons, those stories. Cause that's the stuff you guys are going to remember. And believe me, I remember it because I live some of this as well as seeing what you guys out there who are clients or people who, you know, if you're part of the Money Guy family and you've shared with me by writing emails, um, we've learned a lot from all the things you've written us and shared with us. And by the way, if you want to, go check us out, moneyguy.com. You can go out there and you can connect with us on all of our social media platforms. You can also, if you're looking to take the relationship to the next level, you can go to the Contact Us page. We're always looking for relationships. Because we love just loving on you guys and, and watching you prosper and grow off of the advice we give.
1: That's right, and you know, in our day job, we do uh, fee-only financial planning for clients. We have clients all over the country now, and anytime somebody considers hiring us, we always uh, we have a questionnaire they fill out, and two of the things that we ask on that questionnaire. Uh, what are the greatest financial decisions you've made? And then what are the poorest financial decisions you made? So a lot of the stuff that we're going to go through today <laughs> actually comes directly from the experience of folks who have ultimately been successful, who have shared uh, what they did wrong in their 20s, 30s, 40s, and so on. So I think it's going to be a lot of, a lot of fun to go through. So let's kick this thing
0: off with the 20s. Okay. This is the world is your oyster. I mean, you have a blank canvas. Mm-hmm. Really, I get excited thinking about 20-year-olds, 25-year-olds, even 28-year-olds who discover content like the Money Guy show because, I mean, guys, you really can conquer the world. Talking about empire building, this is where it starts. And what I like about when you're in your 20s is there is a tremendous multiplier effect of anything you do good in your 20s will be handsomely rewarded when you're 50s and 60s after that money's had a chance to work for you. On the other side of it, those mistakes you make in your 20s also are amplified. So I want to kind of cover what we see because remember the topic is financial mistakes. So we're going to talk about the mistakes we see and as well as experienced and then hopefully you guys can, uh, can avoid this with your own finances. So the first one I wrote on here and there was a not-so-successful movie under the same name. Um, failure to launch.
1: Oh, yeah. This this is a big one. And, and what's interesting is I think this is a big one for current folks in their toys. I don't know that this has always been the case back yeah. in prior generations. This is sort of a new thing that has kind of happened in the society in which we live.
0: We have um, – you do research, and believe me, we working with clients, we see this a lot. There's a new trend – where adult children, and a lot of you guys watching, maybe you fall into this too, don't necessarily leave to go out and live on their own as fast as they have in the past. Now, some of that is caused by, let's face it, we went through 2008, the, the great recession, so it wasn't like job prospects were awesome, right. you know, for the last decade. And then cost of living has gone up on housing and other things like that. So some of this was was driven by some of those economic events that have occurred. But we're now, I, I think it's kind of a blank canvas in the fact that good growth, You know, I know things are still super expensive, but this is a good time to try to make the life decisions to right. get out of the parents' basement. I know that not everybody lives in a basement, but to get out of there as soon as possible. And, and here's why I think this is important, is yes... Maybe you're foregoing some of your savings that you could do if you lived with mom and dad for a little bit longer. But the life experiences and just the way it changes the way your mind processes the world is going to be completely different when you are more of a, a self-independent right. individual. I, I can tell you that um, I switched my major my junior year from finance to accounting strictly so I could launch out of the house without staying and living with my parents. Because I wanted to... What? You think that's weird? I was
1: thinking the money guy mindset was born out of Brian Preston, ready to get out of the basement.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I was a finance major, and and, and truthfully, I was where I should have been. But I saw that people graduated with finance degrees, became salesmen. Right. And who was I going to sell to? I was a baby-faced... You know, 20-something comes from no money, so I had nobody to go sell to. Whereas everybody who graduated with an accounting degree from UGA had a job pretty much guaranteed. I don't know of anybody who graduated with an accounting degree. So that's why I switched, because we all had made plans that we were going to live together in Atlanta right after we graduated. And I wanted to ensure that that was successful.
1: So, Brian, one of the things I've heard you say before is you are a big believer that you should figure out how to move out of the house as quickly as practical, right? Uh, and I think that makes all the sense in the world. But in pre-show, we were talking a little bit about uh, there are some situations. We have some really close friends who've done this that uh, maybe there is an opportunity because of um, who your parents are, the situation that you were born into, or whatever it may be, that there might be some help that could exist from your parents that could really allow right. you a platform to do something pretty incredible. Well,
0: you, you kind of brought up two concepts. I do think that, okay, it's... It's okay to live at home for a month or two or three. I mean, sure. for me, I saved up enough money to have a few thousand dollars in the bank and to buy a leather recliner before I moved in with my buddies. I kid you not. You that's had to have something
1: to play video games. Yeah, cases, I mean,
0: right? that's that's what we had. Um, but so I think that that's. I think it's okay if you take a few months. But the other thing you're talking about is if you come from a family that has resources. Sure. Should you try to do everything on your own or should you try to use the the opportunities provided? I would tell you, look, as a guy who had to do it all on my own, I think I have no – I don't begrudge anybody who has the opportunity to use the resources their family has. So, so if you have a, a successful father in broadcasting or in finance, there's nothing wrong with working. One of my best friends was – um Uh, We worked at the first accounting firm, and then he went and took over his dad's accounting firm. And I was always so impressed that he came from a successful accounting background, but he went and kind of fine-tuned that skill set and kind of leveraged it and and took it to a whole other level.
1: But I think what you have to do uh, when you are someone in your 20s is if you are benefiting from that, maybe you're on mom and dad's health insurance for a longer time, or maybe they're covering the cell phone bill or whatever it may be, recognize the opportunity that you have that that $150 a month you're not spending on insurance or not spending on a cell phone bill or whatever it may be or on rent, start squirreling that away and start really setting yourself up for when you do launch, you have a foundation to work on.
0: Yeah, don't let that money be wasted. Let it become a resource to maybe that's what allows you to save for the Roth IRA or that's what allows you to make good financial decisions. Exactly so, right. so the next thing I had on the list was, and this is a big one, not establishing credit when it's readily available. Okay. Cause I made that mistake. Yep. I came out of college without a credit card. Big mistake right. because it's much harder to establish credit later. Um, and then also once you cause, cause there's another side of it is that a lot of us establish too much credit in college and are not responsible. And, and you know, and credit cards are one of those controversial things. Um, I look at, You know, I look at credit cards as just as dangerous as a knife. You know, a knife can be very helpful when you're cutting up your vegetables for dinner. But if you do it wrong, you get hurt. I mean, to the point that you have to go to the doctor and get stitches. So look at debt the same way. But I give advice of make sure you establish credit when it's given out easily, like in college. Mm -hmm. But then once you get it, don't be crazy and go out there and, you know, start ordering a bunch of mixed drinks for buying around for everybody at right. the bar, going and, you know, instead of doing laundry, you're buying yourself a bunch of new underwear and sure. T-shirts. I mean, there's all kind of horrible decisions I think people make where or go on trips. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. I saw kids get in college a lot of credit card debt is that maybe they couldn't afford to go on um a big cruise or a big spring break vacation, but they didn't want to get left out, so they went and put it on a credit that's card. Right. And, um, it, it followed them around for years. And
1: I feel like I have a lot of peers who every time they would go to a big box retailer and they had a big purchase, they would always sign up for the store credit card because yeah. they would get the 10% off that purchase. While that's great. And sometimes it makes sense to do that. If you're doing that eight, 10 times a year and you have 20 different lines of credit out there, it's not helping your credit the way that, the way that you want it, it to it be. It builds to a
0: point that it kind of, Adds up over the, over a while until one day it just breaks you. So that's why you got to be very careful with your credit. Um, I put another point on here and other financial mistakes we see 20 year olds making, not being an advocate for yourself. I talked about this in one of our past, Uh our most recent podcasts when I was talking about my first car, but I wanted to brag on you, Bo, and I've mentioned this on several shows is that I think so much of your life really from, say, age, 10 all the way through you graduate college, you're trying to fit in. That, yeah, that whole sure. element of peer pressure and stuff is you're trying to dress like your peers, you're trying to talk like your peers. And, you know, you just want to fit in because you want to be perceived as not making waves yeah, sure. and, and, and that you go on. But you gotta realize that the older you get, it's good to be a peacock. It's good <laughs> to be different than your peers. I I had written and because I didn't know if I was using it correctly. I see all the time on on some of the social media when I'm on Twitter or other things or just Google searches when I'm looking news looking at news and things like that people use the word basic as a uh A negative thing.
1: Yeah, like if you're basic, like you, you have the same outfit, you're wearing the, that's what we're describing here. That's not good. Basic
0: is not good. We want upgraded. We want your upgraded self. (laughs) So
1: if it's a money guy, if you're in your 20s, don't be basic is what Brian Preston. Well,
0: here's what I mean by that is that, um, cause in, uh, cause I want to elaborate and I want to brag on you. I interviewed you for an associate job in, from college. Right. Um, liked you. You did very good. It wasn't not gonna hire you. There were some things about you I was concerned about. You're too um, outgoing. I was worried I'd train you and then you'd go move on and do something else. And right. that was so. Those were fears. You called me back. I mean, it's probably two months later, yeah. and essentially advocated to get this job. And I gave it to you <laughs> over the phone. That's how good you did. But it's the same thing. I mean, my first job came from interviewing a client. Of the firm that was interviewing me. Sure. I knew that, I knew one, because in the first interview I had with the firm, um, the partner who was interviewing me mentioned, hey, I see you're from here. That was my hometown. We actually work with this client in right. your hometown. So I was like, well, that's cool. I know him, you know. So I went and interviewed him. And then the next time I got invited back for an interview, I made sure two or three times I mentioned that I interviewed their client to find out if they were a good fit for sure. me. They admitted to me you know probably six months, nine months later that 's why I got the job. I did not have the best grades as, as the other you know candidates were doing, but they were so impressed that I went above and beyond yeah. and that's what i th- I think about all the different ways that people aren't advocating for themselves. I mean when you go because we've helped people get their first job yeah. before Bo and right. using this strategy is that guys if you're not using the technology like LinkedIn and going and looking at the places you're thinking that you want to work and and going and seeing if there's some six degrees of separation like from Kevin Bacon, you know that game that everybody has played in the past, because you probably have some connection to that company you're not thinking about, and you need to figure out what your angle is. And then here's something that we see happen all the time. A lot of companies have something that makes them unique, and this is why they're successful, or they have a product. If you go to that company, and you haven't done your basic research to figure out why they're successful, and at least done the due diligence to see, hey, do I use this product or is it something I can at least understand before I show up? You're just kind of showing up and letting going through the motions. That's, right. that's not that's not going above and beyond. That's not trying to stand out from your peers. I'll give you a perfect example. Okay. But what's the what's the thing we ask people when they come and interview it, here?
1: Anytime somebody comes to ask us, we say, Hey have you listened to the show? Have you listened to the Money Guy Show? And and we're amazed at how a potential candidate might say something like, Oh yeah, I saw on the website you guys do uh you're on the radio. Yeah. Oh, uh, that's not... A, but will they say that? And then they say, did,
0: did, did you go listen to it?
1: Oh, no, no, no. I no, just I'll, I'll go check it, just, it out yeah, later. I'll, yeah, I need to do that.
0: Well, you didn't want to go do some research on us? I mean, yeah. that's what just see if we're a good fit. I mean, that's what it's one of those things to don't be basic and then look for situations as I bragged on, like Bo did to go plead your case. Sure. If there's something you really want, make somebody give you a no. You told me one of the things you've improved me at, Bo, is you said you're, your second best answer is no.
1: That's always right. Your second best answer is always no. The
0: worst thing that happens, they say no. That's so right. you probably were much better at the dating scene and everything else <laughs> than I was. If I didn't know you were a serial monogamous with all the, you only really had two relationships in your life, but um, it's still, you, you, had the, you had the game if you wanted and to.
1: So a lot of this, you know, Brian said, and gosh, we, we ought to have a, shir- a shirt made that's, that's the Money Guy Show and it says, be a peacock, because I just think that'd be an awesome shirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, we're talking a lot about getting a job or how to do that. Even if, you know, in your 20s is a fantastic time when you start your first job in your career to figure out what makes you unique and special. And if you can figure out, even in the job you already have, how you can go above and beyond, how you can stand out amongst your colleagues, you're going to set yourself up well. So in your 20s, figure out what makes you a peacock and dive into that.
0: Yeah, no doubt. And in your 20s is the perfect time because you don't have all the other life commitments. You can just throw yourself at it and, and really make yourself stand apart. Do the work that other people won't do. I I read a commencement speech. It was a, I don't think it was a real commencement speech, but somebody was saying that, you know, he felt like part of his success was, was he was willing to mop the floor at his first restaurant job when others weren't. And that's why he ended up getting the first management. Management job. Right. You know, cause people are looking for somebody who's willing to do the work the others won't do. That's, right. That's another way to stand out. So let's talk about another th- financial mistake is not measuring twice and cutting once on big family decisions. Yeah. This one. Yeah. This one's heavy. We're going to pick on 30 year olds in a minute as one of the biggest financial mistakes they make is they get divorced. Mm-hmm. Do you know where that bad decision actually occurs though? In your twenties. But I
1: guess most often in the thirties <laughs> I 20s.
0: mean, most marriages, you'll hear me talk about it in the thirties in a minute. It lasts about eight years. Okay. The average age for a divorce, the first divorce, is thirty years old. So wow. you can see it's somebody who probably in their twenties decides they're going to get married and it doesn't work out. And and financially that is horrible. horrible. You know, and, and I want to give you guys, cause I hate to leave things with negatives. Sure. So let me give you some advice. Here's some statistics of things that you can do to improve your chance of success in the marriage. If your parents are happily married, your risk of divorce decreases 14%. You don't really have control over that. So that's kind of, uh, it well, is, it's one of those things.
1: But I'll turn that around and I'm just going to throw this out there. And I don't know if the statistic makes sense, but it seems like I could use a principle to do this. Uh, if you stay happily married, right? you yeah. probably decrease your children's chance of getting oh, divorced sure. by 14%. So that is something you can kind of take away there. You and I failed this next one. People who wait to marry until they are over the
0: age of 25 are 24% less likely to get divorced.
1: Uh,
0: Yep, I failed yeah, that one. Yeah, I pass. did too. I got married when I was 24. <laughs> if you attend a college, your risk of divorce decreases by 13% as awesome. well. So Perfect. so yep. more educated you are, the better chance you'll have a success. Here's another life decision that you need to measure twice on. Children.
1: Oh, that's a raising big one,
0: yeah. a child. Listen to this statistic: raising a child <laughs> costs approximately two hundred and thirty-three thousand six hundred and ten dollars, and that's birth to seventeen. That's not including college, college or all the other wow. economic outpatient care when they live in your dollars. basement when you're, you know, later. That's that's a lot of money. Yeah. So, and, and as we told, you know, we're about to show you every dollar in your twenties is worth. A lot in that's the right. future. So that, that's, there's that a lot of money disappearing right there. And then I even put, even a pet's a big commitment. Yeah. yeah. I'm surprised at how many people in their early twenties go out and get dogs.
1: And well, they're starting 20, their first job. Yeah. Well, no.
0: it, 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 it makes it hard to travel. And there's no, I loved it. I mean, we have dogs. I don't want y'all. I have, I have a pet. Lily's not listening to the show. She's not going to, she's not going to uh, know what you just said. I, I call her my wife's dog, <laughs> but I, I, as I, as I've confessed, I, I, I've actually taken a shine to this dog, but it's, um, it is one of those things that even pets are a big yeah. family financial decision, so make sure you measure twice on that. Um I want to move on to the next item though, is not understanding financial basics. Mm-hmm. People come out of college or high school or whatever your education is and they start life and they, they truthfully nobody's ever taken the time to show them.
1: How does money work? How do you how do you balance a check? I, I know for me, and maybe this has changed. Nobody but, has
0: checkbooks anymore. Do but yeah, they?
1: yeah, I guess most twenty year olds are like, What's "That's a what checkbook? we
0: always." I, we're so used to saying it. You know, we wish high school kids would learn how to balance check. Really, what you need to learn how to do in high school is not balance a checkbook. It's how to reconcile your bank statement <laughs> every month so you know how much you're
1: pulling out through your debit card or, yeah. or paying credit cards. You know, all the things but like that. I, I know for me personally, uh, coming through uh, high school. You know, once I graduated. There was no personal finance class. I had no uh, knowledge of that. And if I had not gone into a financial planning major in college, and I would have done something, you know, in the medical field, I don't know that financial concepts were in there. I don't think there is a curriculum for that unless you choose to Oh, go there's that a curic-
0: curriculum. it has got a big word. The Money got Show. <laughs> this, is, this is 101 material here to get in your graduate degree on financial success. So, so there is curriculum on good financial management. But I want to get back. I mean, here's what's probably, I think, the average 20-year-old mistake they're making is they don't understand that uncle's taking much more of their money than they realize. <laughs> I mean, I, I think about the fact of this is how you get yourself in trouble. You come out of college. For me, it was $28,000 a year. Okay. You're like, well I was when I used to make ten dollars last a weekend, you're like twenty eight thousand dollars, I'm, I'm rich. rich. I mean, you really do think that, but then you get your first paycheck and you realize, Oh my goodness, social security, income taxes, man, uncle takes a lot of my money and then there's all kind of other things. Like you know you can afford a two hundred dollar a month car payment, right. but what you didn't probably plan on is that your insurance might cost two hundred dollars a month yep. too, because you're young and have a you know, especially if you're a guy who's unmarried under 25, your insurance is much expensive. more expensive. So there's all kind of things that are going to be sucking your money in renters insurance, all these other things, you know, your your utilities that you just kind of took for granted yeah. when you lived, um, you know, in college when you're being taken care of. So so make sure you understand how much uncles taking, because that leads to the housing and lifestyle
1: decisions that are probably going to cause you trouble if you're not paying attention to those things. You know, one, thing, one question I'd ask is if you are just getting out of school and you're taking that first job, do you really need to be in that absolute top-tier nicest condominium or that nicest apartment complex? Because is that money that's actually well spent? I feel like I saw so many of my peers doing that. They had to be downtown in the heart of things spending a mortgage payment in rent every month for no reason at all. Right. So that's just something to keep in your mind in your 20s. So pay that attention to where
0: the money goes, I mean, because I do think that's an important. Thing. And this is probably a perfect time when you're in your 20s. You hear us talking about cash management plans all the time. What you need to be doing in your 20s, is, but learning how to budget. Because budgeting is going to be the foundation, knowing where your money's coming in, where it's going out. If you can understand and conquer that skill set in your twenties, by the time you get in your thirties, forties, and fifties, you don't have to budget anymore. It's kind of like a natural muscle memory. Uh, uh, you know, it's like riding a bike or anything else because you have good cash management skills. It lets you graduate beyond budgeting, but you got to start doing the budgeting. In your 20s first. Um, So let's jump in. This is a big one. And I got so excited when I was doing these stats and pulled out the financial calculator and figured this out. I talk about on this show all the time, the army of dollar bills. I want you to be a field general for your army of dollar bills. So you're not working with your back, your brains and your hands. You're letting your money work for you. Everybody hears me say it all the time, but you really do. The 20s, when you're in your 20s, it is so much more valuable than any other time in your life. And, and what I mean by that is I saw an email. I was going back. I had a phone call with somebody who had been trading email that, emails with this money guy listener for years. And he had written something on Twitter. Um, he, and and I he put another podcaster on there. But he had pulled something where he was saying, your money in your 20s is twice as valuable as money in your 30s. Okay. And I thought that was a powerful statement that he had tweeted that out. But it's actually incorrect. I mean, okay. it's it's incorrect because sorry, l- sorry friend. Brian listen, just well, called you out. I don't, but he'll he'll know what I'm talking about when I say this. When you're 20 years old, every dollar you invest could become 88 dollars. Every dollar becomes 88. If you think about, help me give you the assumptions for this because you're gonna notice I'm, there's gonna be a trend here as we go through 20s, 30s, 40s. Okay. For a 20 year old, I think you can put a 10 percent growth rate on it.
1: Long time frame, more aggressive portfolio. Okay, that makes sense.
0: 10% growth rate. And then I said we're going to retire at 65. So this money has 45 years to grow. So a dollar invested when you're age 20, by the time you turn 65, is going to be worth $88. That's unbelievable. It really is. Every dollar is... And then a 25-year-old, because then, look, I recognize... Brian, at 20 years old, didn't have money invested. Right. So I want to be more realistic because it takes a little while to get your, your foundation sure. about you and know where you are. 25-year-old that puts a dollar away is going to be worth $54. So every dollar is worth $54. Not as good as the 20-year-old, but a 25-year-old still, 54 for every one, that's pretty powerful. So I take back to that Twitter comment that a listener made a few years ago, and he said it's twice as valuable. That's not the case because actually when you're 25 years old, every dollar you put to work in your, when you're 25 is worth three to four times more than the money you invest when you're 35 years old. And, and what I mean by that is, is that if you think about $54, I mean, I'm I'm going to go ahead and cheat because I've got it right here. Uh, for a 35-year-old, that money is only $15, So if you do 54 divided by 15, you can see that it's well in that three to four multiplier. So your money is very valuable in your 20s. So don't squander that opportunity. Your 50-year-old self, no matter how successful, how wealthy you are, is going to say your 20-year-old self didn't do enough. I mean, I have somebody that I talk to all the time, multimillionaire. And they still tell me they didn't save enough when they're in their twenties. And I know their behavior. They save a ton of money, <laughs> but they, and they always have, but they, even a successful person is going to look back at their 20 year old self and go, man, you could have done more because at this threshold where you're getting 50 to one or 80 to one type of multiplier effect, you're going to be ticked off that you bought Starbucks. Yeah. I mean, you really yeah. are. It does have that type of impact. So make sure you understand the value of your money. And that transitions nicely into. When you start your first job, get that free match. When yep. your employer, because if your money's worth 80 to 1, your employer's money's worth 80 to 1. So please take advantage of the free money that your employer's putting out there. Um, and then also I want you to have a thousand or two thousand dollars. Get that some basic emergency reserves. But Bo, you've got something that's even more powerful than emergency reserves that you, that you said people need to be thinking yeah,
1: about. Yeah. So all the time when I'm talking to folks in their twenties, they're asking me for some advice starting out. And uh, they say, well, you know, I-, I always hear you guys say I need three to six months for an emergency. And that is true. Yes. You do need three to six months for emergency fund. However, if you're somebody who's young and you're not married, you don't have kids, you don't have a lot of folks pulling on you. I think that the dirty little secret that a lot of people don't know about is when you put money into a Roth IRA, you can always pull that money out that you put in penalty free and tax free. So if you're someone who has that thousand bucks and you're thinking, okay, well, I have a hundred extra bucks. What should I do? Should I put it in my savings to get to three months or should I do the Roth? Go do the Roth because you have a limited window to get money into that Roth IRA. And if you need to get to it, you always can. You don't want to use as a reserve, but... I always tell young folks, prioritize getting money in the Roth IRA as early as you can. And even though you're supposed to leave it in there till 59 and a half, there's, a, there's some wiggle room there if you got in a really tight spot. Now... In most circumstances, you're not going to. You can let that money start working and watch what happens when it turns 88 times over. What's, what's
0: valuable about Roth? Cause a lot of, some yeah, might be yeah. listeners so that don't understand the difference between Roth. Money you put Roth. into
1: a Roth right now, you won't get a tax benefit now. But as it grows 88 times over between age 20 to age 65, when you go to pull that money out, you don't pay any taxes on it. So that one dollar that you paid tax on that's now worth $88, no more taxes due on all eighty-seven dollars of that change. It's pretty powerful.
0: Now I have to give a word of caution though, because I'm sitting here thinking, and I, we've talked about this in show prep. And I was like, "Man, that is bold." I mean, that's a, that's kind of a bold planning out, suggestion yeah, to say to you could you could use the basis in your Roth IRA as emergency reserves, because that's scary too. Because yep. I don't want people thinking your your Roth IRA those assets are designated for retirement, so it should not be your piggy bank. I don't want to. But I do understand. I think back to aggressive Brian Preston, mm-hmm. who was saving, hyper saving. I think that that is okay. If you're not going to use that, that money that you, the, the, the $5,000 that is it 5500 this 5, year? 5500 yeah. The 5500 that it's gone to. If you're not going to be able to maximize that. Yeah. Okay. Maybe that does make sense. So I think about aggressive Brian or Bo saving in your twenties. I think it does work for that, but I do need to give the disclaimer. Not a piggy bank. You need this money to be working for you. Your 50-year-old self is only going to thank you if you leave (laughs) that money in there to work. But I do think if you're trying to maximize the growth opportunity, it's okay to to cut some corners off and hope that – because in the beginning, when you're in your 20s, you're squeezing. I mean, Mm -hmm. if you go back and listen to the podcast we just did on when is it okay to spend – You'll notice I give you guys a little bit of reprieve in your 20s because I know you have to be aggressive right. on attacking your goals because every dollar is worth so much more. And this is the time that you can have the aggressiveness in your nature of the way you handle your finances. I mean, you're 40-plus years from right. retiring, um, so so let's make that money work for you. Um Let's move on to the next thing that okay. I think is powerful. G- great advice on the Roth, though, Bo, is that not listening to your elders. And this one sounds like, because I am, I'm only, my wife even admits this, I'm two steps from yelling at kids from the front porch to I get off the lawn. I
1: think it's kind that she gave you two steps. Yeah, I mean, I'm i am getting close. So, but I do
0: think that you should remember that wisdom comes from experience. And if you guys can cut a corner off, meaning if you don't have to fall in the wily e. Coyote trap, All Right. Um, that you know, and you get to be the road runner and kind of go right past it. That is much more beneficial than you falling into the trap That's and right. then taking years to recover from from the bad experience. So, I also want you know when you so listen to your elders. Also, take serious the ten thousand hours to become a master or an expert at, at a skill set. Right. I mean, it really is. I mean, if you go read. Um, outliers, Malcolm Gladwell. It's not the 10,000 hours is not Malcolm Gladwell's, but he's, but he's the one that kind of made it famous by putting it in outliers, the concept. And it's true. I mean, I think back to my life, gotta do stuff probably five years, get 10,000 hours to become an expert. So take that serious and go work for somebody. Go get mentored by somebody. It will. Put you light years ahead if you, if you can conquer that skill set. Yeah, you
1: said two things that I think are so important. Be willing to put the time in, and then second, go find a mentor. Find someone who has done the thing that you want to do, is in the place you want to be, and learn from that person. I feel like so many twenty year olds or twenty ish year olds try to do it on their own and go make their own way and go create their own thing. And there's nothing wrong with that. But partner up with someone who's been there, done that, and you will be amazed at how far ahead of the game you get.
0: You'd be surprised at how many people I meet that are super successful, and you say, how did you get in this career? Mm-hmm. I mean, there was somebody in the uh, aviation field that was just like, man, that is a unique job yeah. to be brokering airplanes. Yeah, and yeah, it. yeah. It's like, how do you even get in that? And one of the things, he met a guy in flight school that was an older gentleman. He was young. and kind of took him under his wing and brought him into his business. and Took Took, over. A, it, took
1: him under his wing. Oh, I, I didn't, I didn't did mean it. to That's do great. that. But
0: it, but there's so many businesses we see where people will kind of stumble in an opportunity because an older person that took a shine to them and kind of brought them in and showed them their ways, That's right. and then their ways become their ways, and then they amplify that effect exactly by having right. more time. I mean, Bo, I, I get excited about what you are going to be able to do because you've been able to kind of – See all my mistakes plus my victories. Absolutely. And you're going to be able to do even more just because time. I mean, time is so valuable. So, so take advantage of that and find somebody to learn from. That's advice that I think will, will, you will be very happy that you took advantage of that. Um, Here's the last one before we move into the 30 year olds. And this is a big one because we just watched a video on some poor guy out in Utah that has a million dollars of student loans. Now, he's a, he's an orthodontist. Mm So they'll, he'll make good money, but getting out from underneath a million dollars. That's
1: overwhelming. <laughs> talking
0: about a weight carrying when, on your shoulder, when, that's a big
1: one. When you think about a million dollars and you think about the way a portfolio gray, grows and you think about interest on that, yeah. You, you wish your portfolio would do what his student loan is going to do. So you want to avoid running up large student
0: loan debt while you're in college. And, um,
1: you know, it used to be, I, I hate that things
0: in society change, but they definitely do. It's this world we live in. When I was in college, college was a lot cheaper than college is now. Right. And I think that there is this mantra that kind of led to this is that education And I still believe education is your key to getting out of whatever bad situation you're in. But now, unfortunately, it's not just a universal all education's the same. I think you have to be much more strategic. Strategic about the how you're going to approach your life education because going to college and loading at any cost, and I mean any cost of built running up student loans and other things at all costs to get your degree doesn't make the same sense it might have made 20 or 30 right. years ago. And what I mean by that, we read something recently where there is a value proposition separation from somebody who's running up fifty dollars to $60,000 worth of student loan debt going to a private school for an art degree. And believe me, I'm not picking on the art degree. My wife has an art degree. But it, it is one of those things where that fifty dollars to $60,000 of student loan debt uh, you know, you have to think about what what is that person going to? What type of job yeah. is going to pay back the fifty to sixty thousand dollars? return on that investment? Uh, versus, you know, uh, a student going to a state-run public university and getting twenty thousand dollars of student loan for an engineering degree. Yeah. I mean, and that's you know, that one probably return on investment. The engineering degree with twenty thousand dollars of student loan debt is going to yield substantially more than the art student with the fifty to $60,000 yep. just because of what the potential is with your starting job. Sure. So we want to give some guidelines, and we've used these before, but I think it's important to come back to, is that you don't want, when you come out of college, you don't want your student loan monthly payment to exceed 8% of what your income is. Okay, so less than 8% of your gross income. And so, okay. but let's not even get in that situation where this thing's impacting cash flow. Let's, is there, there's a better tool for how to avoid how much student loans to get, debt to get into in the first place. Don't let your student loan balance exceed 65% of what your first year income will be out of college. So what okay. your anticipated income will be out of college.
1: You know, 65% of that and keep your student loan debt below that. Exactly. That and seems it, reasonable. Yeah.
0: And there's, uh, you know, a lot of this stuff. What's fun is, is there's all kinds of resources out there. Mappingyourfuture.org has a tool called the Debt Wizard, where okay. if you don't want to be, I love calculators. I've been, I've had a love affair with the calculator since second grade. So, but if you're not one of those people, you could go use this, this tool. Um, you know where that love affair came from, Bo? I have no idea, man. I is. had a calculator watch.
1: Is that what it was? Got it in
0: my second grade, and I used to sit there, and that's how I got to be the fastest kid in the second grade on doing multiplication tables. That was not in show notes, but I felt like I'd share <laughs> yeah, that with you. I'm glad that we added that. So <laughs> take advantage of all that. And remember, guys, we just talked about the financial mistakes in your 20s, but there is so much opportunity in your 20s that I don't want you to think about... Just all the negatives. I want you to avoid these traps. I want you to look at this as definitely a glass half full moment is because, guys, you could have a drop. Just think about a thimble or that you're pouring into a lake. So your drop of financial investment in your 20s could turn into a tidal wave by the time you turn a 50-year-old, a 60-year-old version of yourself. So turn this thing positive don't avoid these mistakes but then find positive things you can be doing with your financial life and I promise you you will be rewarded down the road that's great let's talk about 30 year olds 30 year olds are a little wiser there's a little more jingle in your pocket hopefully yep. and this is hopefully the decade that you're starting to have some achievement in your career your life um, you're, you're starting to feel like things you're are making a little more sense little bit, yeah, you're, yeah you're figuring life out you're in your 20 in your 20s, I know, and I'm stereotyping, but I'm basing this off of my own self, is that you, you come out of college and you feel like you're going to attack the world, and you have this feeling that you know a lot more than you probably do, but you also get bewildered because you feel like the world's working against you because yeah. of your age. Right. I mean, I, I felt that way, but it's probably because when I was 22, I looked like I was 17, you know, super skinny. It was hard to get people to take you serious. So you get into your thirties, you're starting to show a little age. You actually also have some wisdom to you. Some experience. So, it. so it, 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 this is hopefully where you can start really getting some traction mm-hmm. on things. You can also, this is the age where you can still take big risk without, and, and still have time to recover so if it yep. all falls apart. So really
1: exciting time to be a 30 year old. So let's kind of jump into this. So here's some of the biggest mistakes that we see folks make in that 30-year-old. Biggest time frame.
0: mistakes 30-year-olds make, and I put this one on purpose as number one, and I picked on 20-year-olds about this because they're the ones that got us. Our 20-year-old self usually got us in trouble to where this right. hurts the 30-year-old, is that getting divorced. Yeah. And That just kind of sends waves I mean, down it, me because it, it's getting divorced is expensive.
1: It, it stinks from a life perspective, but it's also really hard difficult bad financial decision yeah it's um
0: typical divor- divorce occurs according to statistics when you're 30 years of age eight years of marriage so like i said you made the decision probably in your 20s right but here's the thing when you think about financially what does this mean for you that you have to make have a 30 percent increase in your income to cover what your married self costs. So, so the so,
1: same standard of living as when you were married.
0: So if you think about this, if you are making $50,000 to have the same lifestyle as your $50,000 self as a married person, you'd have to have $71,000 to wow. keep the same lifestyle. Because think about it, all the things that you're splitting if you're a two income, sp- you know, household is now falling on your That's shoulders. Right, yeah. And plus you got to carry this burden of paying off the divorce attorneys and all the other stuff. So if you can avoid it, avoid getting divorced. Make the decision. Measure well. twice before you make those big life decisions. I, t- I picked on the 20 year olds about that previously. Um, the next thing I'd put on here, the financial mistake, is not playing for the long game. What do you mean by that? I think that this is the beautiful age where you do have skill set. You've now hopefully worked in your industry five, seven years. You've so got you, 10,000 hours. You're an hours expert. You've got something. the 10,000 hours. You're an expert. Now, you, since you've taken that decade of your 20s and absorbed and become the version of yourself that you wanted to be, uh, now you need to ask yourself, okay, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Am I living where I'm supposed to? This is the part where you really need to start vision planning for what is my long-term self and life going to look like. I don't know that a lot of people, some people don't make those decisions until they get older, and and I'd love for you to uh, tackle that because this is the... The foundation of becoming a planner. Mm-hmm. If you're thinking about these things in your early 30s, believe me, your, your your version of yourself in your 40s, 50s, and 60s is going to be very happy
1: because the skill set of becoming a planner pays off. Would you agree with this statement, Brian, that if you don't ask yourself these questions in your 30s, you likely will ask yourself these questions in your 40s? Yeah. But at that point, you might not be able to make the same adjustments that you could have in your well 30s. you
0: can make a very small move in your thirties like um from an income perspective or or you know and it 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 just doesn't seem like that much of a hardship right. whereas when you have to make decisions in your forties and fifties to get your financial life on track, you're will find it gets much harder sure i mean you have to instead of it just being an incremental slight move. Now you're having to move mountains yeah. to make changes. And I'm not trying to downplay my fifty year olds who have to make a big decision, but it is just so much easier sure. when you're in your twenties and thirties. So this is the point where I'm going to challenge you. Are you saving enough? You know, think about these things because it, it will definitely be the tell that you drag around for sure. many years to come if you can make those hard decisions when you're in your twenties and thirties. Um I, I thought this one was important, Bo. You probably you've always done a good job when I hear you talking to prospects or you have talked about this on shows. Not assuring, not insuring away likely risks. That's a big mistake I see. Walk yeah, walk through that
1: all, all the time, folks. You know, it's easy in our twenties to think that we are uh, young and invincible, and 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 some of the things we don't need. But in your thirties, when you start to have people depend upon either your income or your ability to provide shelter, provide food, it does become necessary that you have to kind of put put on your big person pants. You have to go buy those insurances. You have to go make sure that you do have adequate life insurance. Our rule of thumb is. 10 times your income is a pretty pretty solid bet. Do you have disability insurance? You are statistically more likely to be disabled than you are to prematurely die. And so, disability insurance is you want to, especially if you have somebody depending on you, you want to make sure you have that in place. Um is your health insurance where it needs to be to provide for you and your family? Are you taking advantage of tools like health savings accounts? Maybe you have access to it and you didn't pay attention for the past few years? That's a huge triple threat savings opportunity. We have an entire show dedicated to health savings accounts, so go to the moneyguy.com Triple website. tax advantage. That's it. Go to uh, moneyguy.com, look up health savings accounts, and you'll find it. Um, and then what about on your home and auto side? Are you adequately insured on your auto insurance? Do you have an umbrella policy in place? It's amazing how many times, Brian, I get on the phone with someone who's in their 40s, and maybe they have seven-figure portfolios, but they're lacking umbrella insurance and it's just something that makes all the sense in the world to have in place. It's cheap. If you have assets or if you have earning potential. I think uh, those are the two, two things that it makes sense in your thirties when you really have to start getting those things in place.
0: And here's the cool thing. When you're young in your thirties, you're typically healthy. Mm-hmm. So all the things that we were talking about, like the life insurance, the disability insurance, right and it, and you're now getting to the age where you're old enough that your auto insurance your homeowners insurance is cheaper, cheaper. it's the perf- it's a good time to be covering these things cuz they incrementally don't cost a lot from a cash flow That's right. perspective yep. it's really a lot of bang for your buck in your 30s to to insure away risk mm-hmm. and it builds that habit that will serve you well many years in the future um here's one that i was guilty of and bo i i have told you time and time again and you finally i think you've caught on in the last 2 years Slow down, take a deep breath, yeah. and enjoy the season you're in because seeking complicated slash sophisticated because you perceive that is what success or what wealthy people do, don't don't fall into that trap. That is a trap, by the way, guys, is because sophisticated or I should just say, keep it simple and say complicated yeah. is what I think a lot of young people think that they have to do to act like somebody who's rich. But you're going to find complicated finds you naturally. Your life, if, the more success you have, it's going to just find you one day. You'll wake up and be like, man, doing taxes is a lot harder now than it was yeah. when I was a 20-year-old. Don't accelerate creating complexity just so you can feel cool about about yourself. Because nobody here, – here's the thing. I think that I fell in this trap as I was like, man, having a K-1 because I bought ownership into something would be a lot cooler or doing rental property and all this other stuff because that's what I need to be doing. But what you don't realize is, is that some of that stuff you're just asking for trouble down that's the road right. because, like I said, your life, you're going to find opportunities and things are going to happen. So, so understand what you're getting into for the basic foundation of it, the financial you know, wherewithal or goodness of the investment versus yep. it just seems sexy and cool to, to do this behavior.
1: Yeah. You know, I personally, I, I always wanted to be really, really busy until I got really, really busy. Yeah, and then like, what was I wishing for? But we do see this all the time. Since you are 30, since you do have uh, some wisdom about you now, and you've kind of seen some things out there, you start thinking, maybe I do need to go get involved with that private placement. Maybe I do need to go buy that fancy insurance policy that I don't really understand but I think it's good because this colleague told me it was good. Make sure you understand the things that you're investing in and where you're putting your time and your effort because uh, you're going to get busy and it's much easier to not make those bad decisions have to unwind them later than to make them and have to deal with it in your 40s.
0: We probably didn't talk about it enough during the 20s but 30-year-olds, I'll give you the the pickup advice that I should have probably given to the 20-year-olds too is that Be careful when you don't know basics on investing Mm -hmm. is that you might get sold something perceived as sophisticated or sexy that might not be in your best interest. So do a lot of due diligence on investments. I think there's just so many opportunities with target date, retirement funds, index funds. Keep it simple. While you're getting your foundation, you know, beneath you and getting those army of dollar bills going, don't, you know, if, if you get the the spidey sense that somebody's going to be profiting off of this product that they're recommending to you, you can always ask them, "What do you make off yeah, of this?" Yeah, that's a great question. You know, ask people, "What do you make off of this?" and that's going to give you probably cut right to the heart, and you'll figure out really quick based upon if they're able to to calmly answer it and it seems reasonable or if all of a sudden it gets very shifty mm-hmm. and um you get told crazy things like well you don't actually pay me anything the company pays me mm-hmm. eh, you know it goes into the it's just like when you do a deal with real estate and you hear, hear the sellers paying closing costs you're like man they're not They sure uh, are nice. i'm still paying you're, you're you're you the buyer are still paying those closing costs it's just Faked into the, the, the purchase price. So understand it works that way with financial products as well. Um, this is a big one, Bo. Faking success and it ties, it dovetails nicely into that previous one Mm -hmm. we just talked about. Faking success by paying for life at $200 at a time. What do, what do I mean when you hear me say faking success with $200 at a time?
1: Yeah. So at 30, our income is increased. We're maybe a little more jingle, a little more comfortable. And so 200 bucks a month for that boat payment or for that country club membership or for that nicer luxury car. I can afford $200 a month. And very often, folks in your thirties, when you do have some discretionary cash flow, you start adding up monthly payments, not adding up total obligations. And you can get yourself in a lot of trouble that right, way. Buy
0: a new house in your thirties and you say, you know, instead of decorating the house or putting furniture in the house over four years, yeah. just going out there and doing it all at once because you say, oh, it's only $200 right. a month. Plus they let it defer it out it's for same six as years, cash, seven years. Yeah. No, you can fake your wife $200 a month. But here's the thing. That $200 a month for this car, you know, store credit card, the car loan, the nicer car, you put $200 more. It just keeps building right. on top of itself. Before long, you go, I got more debt. My payments, my minimum payments for credit cards and all these debt is more than I even make. Yeah. That's what it breaks you. It does. And that's why you never get to work for yourself. Here, here's the thing that I, Compounding interest is one of the, the the incredible powerful forces out there in the world. You've heard me say for the twenty year old that's twenty or the, the twenty five year old, now we're soon going to be talking about the thirty and thirty-five year old investor, you get a huge multiplier effect. If you get in debt, that multiplier effect, that compounding interest actually cuts against that's you. Right. So let's keep it on the positive side and not get yourself in that that bad life just because you're faking. Success. The good things, the, the the spoils of your labor and of your success will come. Right. I promise the, the squeeze of the fruit, you're getting that juice at a later time. Um, I, I always put this one, this is, let's talk about the investing. Continue to procrastinate on saving and investing for the future.
1: Yeah. At 30 year olds, you know, we often say, oh, well, we're still young. Yes, that's true, but not as young when you're 20. Yeah. I mean, the 20 year old, like
0: we talked about in the previous, Now, let's give some perspective here. I said a 20 year old, every dollar earning Mm 10%, because I think a 20 year old can have that type of, be that aggressive with their portfolio. For 30 year olds, I brought it down to 9%. I took a little bit off of the return. I took it from 10 to 9%. You'll notice I'll do it on the 40 year olds. I'll take it down to eight. Okay. So I did 9%. Now, you know, assuming you work until you're 65, every dollar that 30 year old saves, it's going to be
1: $23 when you're 65.
0: So still pretty incredible
1: in context. $1 turns into 23, but it's not $88, it's not 88. It's like a
0: 20-year-old That's or right. $54 like a th- 25-year-old. A 30-year-old now it's 23 and for a 35-year-old each dollar that you're able to invest is worth 15. Okay. Still incredible if you think about every dollar I invest <laughs> is going to have a 15-time multiplier. That's awesome. Uh, but but recognize this is the probably the last stop on that train of huge double-digit exponential growth where the assets will work for you. It's still going to be good in your 40s and 50s. Don't get me wrong, you're still going to want to save. But this is the super-charm This is the time where you really are getting to put a lot of multiplier effect on it. Um, But this is also, we kind of have talked about this a little bit, when you're in your thirties, you start having a little bit of success. You got a little jingle. This is in your pocket. This is when you might, in addition to just being susceptible to somebody selling you something, you might be susceptible to thinking, man, I'm so smart. Yeah. And this is when you start thinking about day trading.
1: Oh, I've, I've watched
0: CNBC. I know how the stock market works. Day trading, individual stocks, mm-hmm. stock options. The worst thing that can happen with stock options. As you make money on your first investment in stock
1: options. It, it, true. That's the worst thing cap and day trading. It's happened. Also. <laughs>
0: I've, I've lived that mistake. You know, I've played around with some stock options, turned a few hundred dollars into a, a few thousand. And then you're like, man, this is what I ought to be doing with every dollar of my money. And then you quickly realize, maybe not. You might be right on your decision, but the timing might be just off just enough to where you take it to zero. That's right. And that, that I'm not going to pick on the companies that we did that on, but. The problem with option investing is you could be exactly right with your observation on either a company's overvalued or a company's undervalued, but if it doesn't hit it in the window of when that option is good or the timing, because realize the longer time goes, just like it chases you down until you die and leave the earth, option time is much more accelerated. (laughs) The closer you get to the expiration of your options, the, the less value your options have. So like I said, the worst thing that can happen with an option investment is you make money on your first one because <laughs> then you think you figured something out. So avoid falling in that I'm so smart yeah. um transaction. Also, I you know, we talk about this all the time, but I do think you 30s, I really harp on this for my my thirty my year olds. You should hopefully be saving fifteen to twenty percent of your gross income for the future. That's right. Um hopefully even pushing it towards twenty five percent of your gross income. By the time you leave your 30s, because that's the money, like I said, you get that. This is your last stop on the big multiplier effect. The more money you can have working for you at a younger age, the more you're going to be benefited in the future. Um, I, I've shared my philosophy, me and my wife came up with, is that we really, really tried to prioritize saving in our 20s and 30s so that when we hit 45 or 44 we could pull off the throttle a little sure. bit and actually start enjoying, enjoying this it, yeah. money because the army of dollar bills is doing what's supposed to and growing for us. So make sure you're doing that. Maximize that company retirement plan. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and max out that Roth IRA if your income allows for it. And if you make too much money for the Roth IRA, you might still be able to do Roth contributions. That's one of those that we won't, you know, we can't go into all the details on this because it's not a one-size-fits-all, but you could definitely reach out to us on the Contact Us page and we could help you out. And then you should also be definitely closer to that three to six months of emergency reserves. And then here's the last mistake. I left this one on purpose because I wanted to close with a punch on on my 30-year-old's bow, is that, A lot of people make the mistake, when you have children, you prioritize saving for their education more than you do for your retirement. Yeah, we see that a lot. There's a problem with that. There is an entire industry for getting your kids through college. If you think about it, you can get scholarships, you can get grants, you can get student loans. And even though student loans are very scary, there is an industry where at least you know your kids can do co-ops where they work. When you hit retirement age, you get Social Security, you may or may not get a pension. You may or may not get Social Security either, by that way. But um the rest of it's kind of on you. There's no loans for retirement. There's no retirement loans. There's no... Nope. they can go do a reverse mortgage and some other crazy, hell-mary type things. But We'll
1: talk about those in a
0: second. None of them are great examples of... Opportunities that you get excited about. So make sure you're prioritizing saving for yourself and your retirement first before you pay for your, your sons or daughters education. Believe me, your sons and daughters will thank you when you're not living in their basement because you're, you're self-sufficient on your, on your own. So, so try to avoid, um, and get your priorities right on, on where the money needs to go when you're in your thirties on, on the kids. So that kind of brings to a close the, the, the financial mistakes of 30-year-olds. And we could go on and on because this is such a valuable time in your life, guys. 30-year-olds, this is, like I said, when you're setting that foundation where, you know, I get the 20, you know, people kind of enjoy their newfound getting out of college, their independence, their freedom in their 20s. So it's not uncommon that people kind of wake up in, when they're in their 30-year-old self and start getting responsible about things. Go and learn from these mistakes we said for 30-year-olds and turn it into something positive for yourself. And I think that you'll just be light years ahead of your peers who kind of let that party from your 20-year-old self carry on into That's the right. 30s. And then they get the wake-up moment in their 40s. And here's the thing. When you get your wake-up moment in your 40s, you might not have as much time. So that leads me to a great point. We've recognized... This show ran longer than we anticipated because, I mean, it's just a lot of loving on mistakes to avoid yeah. and we want you guys to avoid it. So we're going to turn this into the, the financial mistakes by age. We're going to do part one and part two. So this brings a close, the part one version. Um, we'll, we'll come back, you know, in, in for our next show next week and do a, a part two of this. Um, so the podcast will be broken into two sections, but here's what I want you guys to know. You can sense there's a passion that we want you to make good financial decisions with your money. So reach out to us. You know, Let us know if this stuff is – do you resemble this? Or is there something here that hits you in a certain way that now is going to help you reevaluate some of the decisions you were considering making? I want you to reach out to us. Go to moneyguy.com. Go to the Contact Us page. We love getting feedback from our listeners. Um, we, we actually read everything you guys send us. So thank you, thank you for you for even reaching out and considering sharing with us. And that's how we feel like this is the Money Guy family. I'm your host, Brian Preston. We'll be back shortly with part two. So my 40-year-olds, my 50-year-olds, and my 60-year-olds will know how to even make better decisions to, to grow and know what they need to be doing so that they can have the life that they've always dreamed of.
1: The Money Guy Podcast is hosted by Brian Preston. Brian Preston is a principal with Abound Wealth Management. Abound Wealth Management is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Security and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with the securities laws and regulations. Abound Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Money Guy Podcast.